0: Welcome to the 5 Levels of Formality Podcast with Paul Robinson and Danny Rich. In this episode, we speak with success coach and mentor Dean Fox. Areas covered include the detrimental power of limiting beliefs, how to begin removing those beliefs, imposter syndrome and its effects, and key takeaways from a decade of personal development. We hope you enjoy For those that might not know you, Dean, what's been your life journey so far and, and how would you best describe what you're doing now?
1: Um, good question. Uh, life journey. Okay, where do we start with life journeys? Um, I kind of uh, I started my life in, in the steel industry. I was an engineer and um, kind of started as an apprentice technician, worked myself up, if you like, and then um, I moved across into commercial, got a taste for sales and business development. And um, stayed in that industry and in that role for a while and then moved across um, when when things changed and kind of um, developed. So I moved from being a sales uh, sales rep, if you like, to um, uh, an area man, sales manager and then through to a regional sales manager. And then I kind of worked my way up the ladder, um, UK sales manager for a while. And then um, uh, I was made redundant. And... I moved into a bit of property development and a bit of property business. So I kind of put my first taste of running my own business for a while. Uh Um, and then, uh, you know, a few things happened in in life and I I had to go back into employment and, um, and it was at that point I got introduced to, to network marketing for the first time. And, um, I, uh, we, we, we took that up and, and, and that's kind of, that's been the mainstay almost of what we've done over the last um, seven years now. Mm-hmm. And so you know, what do I do now? I suppose I split my time. Um, network marketing is my my focus. That's my business. Um, I do some training around that for the, for the company that I'm, that I'm associated with. Um, and then also I do um, a, a bit of mentoring and, and coaching, if you like, helping people from that industry or other entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. So what I call solopreneurs, people who are, uh, usually either involved in a business themselves directly or some sort of self employed or they're in a small business and they don't get to spend as much time on themselves as they do the business mm-hmm. and uh, I help them look at um, you know all the things around personal development that I've been exposed to um, mainly through my time with, with with network marketing but also prior to that as well so that's kind of how I split my time and then I, I do some consultancy as well okay fantastic that sounds good Hi, Dean. It's uh, Danny
2: here. Um, I, I was lucky enough to have attended one of your uh, your events at the beginning of the year, and I, I attended quite a few events, but uh, I've told anyone who will listen that yours was definitely the best event uh, that I attended in January, one of the most thought-provoking, uh, inspiring days, That really, really excellent. So um, it was a surprise to me to discover that a recurring theme in your life, um, especially in the early part of it, was this feeling that... Uh, of not being good enough. Um, when did that begin? When did you realise it was something that was holding you back? And how
1: easy did you find it to overcome? Yeah, it's, it's well, funny. And, and, and thanks for saying that our event was really good. Um, <laughs> we really appreciate the feedback. Um, it's yeah, it's one of those things. It's it's kind of. It, it, if you like it, it creeps up on you. Well, I, I found it did. If I look back in my life, it probably started when I was when I was really young. I mean, most. Most of us develop belief systems and things when we're, you know, five, six year old. Yeah. Um, but but that's not when my earliest memories were. It's sometimes difficult to, to remember those times specifically. But my earliest real memories of it were probably between the ages of kind of what what most people talk about as their formative years in terms of skill, probably about ages of ten to fourteen. Uh, and there was there was specific times when it, it, I started to question myself and think, oh, hang on a minute, you know, why is that happening or it, you, you tend when you develop a belief what tends to happen is in later life we, we just spend our time validating we just spend our time trying to confirm that it's true uh and so i've got kind of maybe one or two key memories i i played a lot of football when i was younger and um outside of the school kind of team if you like my father coached a side and i, and I went and played in that side yeah and you know and I'd, i've got no, nothing brought more respect and, and love for my, my father and family because, you know, they did a fantastic job. I have no way to say I had a bad childhood or anything like that. But, you know, my parents went to the same parenting university as everybody else's. You know, we, they just kind of make it up as they go along as best they can and they think they can do, you know, what they do, whatever they think is best uh, for yeah. us. And so, and, and I, I know this now because I experienced it, but he was probably harder on me. As a coach, than he was on anybody else because he felt he had to justify, you know, my position, if you like. Yeah. And but what that did lead me to is the times when you know I can remember being sat in the dressing room and he'd read a team sheet out and I'd be on the bench that day or something and I just I just used to look sometimes and think, well, you know, how is that possible? What, you know, maybe I'm not good enough to be to be part of the side, and it wasn't. I didn't, you know, it never made any major. Had any major impact at that point, but it just kind of it it kind of digs away at you over a period of time. Yeah, and you're you have, so susceptible of that age, aren't you? You are. And a few years later, I, you know, I have another real key memory where I I'd done really well at school. One of the things that I talk about sometimes is I kind of became because of this idea that maybe I'm not as good as everybody else. I kind of tried to become an overachiever. I tried to be absolutely the best I could possibly be at anything. Um, almost to my detriment sometimes, because I'd say things like, "Well, if I, if I don't think I'm, if I'm not going to be the best at it, I'm not going to do it. I'm not even going to attempt unless I can be, you know, the best there is." And um, I remember doing really well in a in, a, in an exam, and uh, I scored a really high mark, and I, I'd come home and I was really proud of it, and I said, "You know, this is what I got." And you know, I, I know why they were doing it because they're, they're they're looking for you to improve all the time. So the question was, okay, so you know, what what bits did you not? get right how can we help you focus on that yeah. but again it was like well, i'm gonna <laughs> i've just done you know i just got 90 percent or whatever and, and we're now focusing on the 10 percent i didn't get <laughs> yeah. um so yeah, I, you
2: know, I totally get that as a parent myself because I, I think it's a natural thing to do when my little boy will come on and say oh i got 38 out of 40 in, in a test and i'll go oh which you feel naturally to say which one did you get wrong and, yeah. and you're not focusing on the 38 that you got right you know mm-hmm. and,
1: Yeah. And it is a natural thing. That's why I say it's not, you know, there's no, it's no slight on, on, on parents anywhere in the world, including mine, but it is a natural thing that that's what we focus on when really we should be focusing on all the things we've done. Right. And how can we encourage you to, to, you know, to use that to improve in the future. Um, and so that was kind of the start of it. That's when I first started, maybe to start a question. And then as things happened, like I said earlier, you kind of things happen in your life and then you use that to validate that belief being true. So every time something would happen that didn't go the way I thought it was going to go or I didn't have a level of a success I was expecting in some way or shape or another, I would then use that to validate the belief, well, that's, maybe that's because I'm not good enough. Yeah. So, you know, you get made redundant. If things are outside your control, but internally we start to say, well, maybe maybe the reason is because I wasn't good enough to do that. Maybe I was in the wrong job or I don't have the skill set. So it's it's kind of, it could be like I said it creeps up on you over a period of time and then eventually it gets to a stage what I certainly did with me where um I, I just I got to the point where I, I felt it was holding me back I wasn't making decisions that I thought I should make simply because I was thinking well what if that doesn't work out and I know it might not work out because things haven't worked out in the past and I'm and I know it's probably because I'm not that good at doing that so I'm not going to do that I'm going to stay away from it um so it stopped me it stopped me challenging myself to do things because um, I, I just avoided them all together. Um, and in terms of, you know, was it easy to overcome that? Um, yeah, my, my, my whole concept and lots of the theories I talk about is that it, it, it's, it's about having a, an awareness in the first place. And most people don't do anything about anything because they don't have an awareness of it. Um, so things are a mystery to people till you develop an awareness. And once you've got some awareness of it, it's no longer a mystery yeah and so you know getting the the right level of awareness once you had the right level of awareness it was fairly easy to make changes the difficult bit was developing the awareness in the first place (laughs) so Mm -hmm. kind of recognizing it making the decision about it and then saying right i need to do something about this i've got to i've got to find a way through it and starting to look at okay why did it happen in the first place where's it come from and what can i do about it they're all the 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 hard bits if you like the easy bit is is once you've got an awareness to go okay, so I understand that that's you know a load of rubbish. For example, um, it's much easier to do when you've developed a level of awareness to say that.
2: Yeah, well, that's a great answer. I think a lot of people who'll be listening will, will, will resonate with that. So uh, thanks for that.
0: So Dean, I've heard you um, speak around the idea of uh, the imposter syndrome. So for those people listening that might not know what that is, could you kind of explain it for us how it can affect people and And how it might have particularly affected you?
1: Yeah, it's kind of it. It usually comes in in a few different forms. Certainly, the ones I've I've seen and experienced is this idea that first of all, that maybe you you, you've got this belief that I might not be good enough at this, um, whatever it is that you're doing, Um, and this idea that somewhere along the line, someone's going to find it out. Mm -hmm. Um, So you know, I feel like a bit of a fraud, if you like. Um, and there was times when I did have levels of success. So, you know, I was a you know, UK national sales manager managing a team of people up and down the country in what was perceived to be a relatively successful position with all the trappings that went with it. But inside I was thinking, but you shouldn't be <laughs> <laughs> so, somewhere along the line. Somebody's going to say, yeah, I knew you were never good at this. <laughs> How did you end up in this position? Um, and it, you know, it doesn't happen, but you, you, just, you carry this internal belief with you that somewhere along the line it will. Yeah. Um, and and you know, that's certainly what was happening for me. Um, but the other alternative sometimes is that you get people, um, you know, and I've spoken to people or interviewed them, where they've had good levels of success in one aspect of their life. So it, it might be a business, it might be a job, it could be sport if, if, that, if they're that minded, um, or some level of it but they feel like they can't transition that into any other part of their business because they feel like a fraud. Mm. So they're like, I'm successful in this, but for some reason I can't do it anywhere else in my life. And therefore it it must, it must not be transferable. I must be, I must not be good really. I've just had a bit of luck um, to get me in this position. Um, and so you know, what happens is over time it breeds self doubt. So we continually focus on it. It's it's there in the back of our minds and our subconscious all of the time, and and like I said, every time something happens, we use it to validate it. Right. We use it to say, yeah, that's happened because of the fact that you know someone is going to find out. And then when things happen, you know, certainly for me, you know, FET it had on me when I was made redundant. That was the first thing I did was to say, so someone's found out. Right. Right. Being found out, you know, somewhere along the line, someone's looked back and said, well, yeah, actually, you should never have been in that position in the first place. Um, and it, and it does, it kind of, it, it, acts as this like reminder, if you like, and validation of your belief system, mm-hmm. it just confirms all the time. And then it builds this ongoing fear. Um, and I, and I liken it sometimes to when, when people, when you're affected by it, it's like, um, uh, you know, if you, if you carry carrying, if you go to the airport and you're carrying your, your luggage, you guarantee when you check in that that if, if you've got massively heavy luggage you guarantee that the the gate's like you know 10 miles away yeah. <laughs> if you if you've got the lightest bag in the world it's like it's just down the <laughs> it's just down the, the walkway um but I liken it to that because what happens is the longer you carry it the heavier and heavier it gets until eventually you struggle to actually carry it anymore you struggle to walk yeah move with it. That's what happens with 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 these belief systems, with, with with our behavior patterns. That's what happens. We get to a point where just you almost come to a I can't I can't carry this anymore. I, I literally can't. I'm not making any decisions. I'm not taking any action. Yeah. I'm not moving forward simply because I know there's something holding me back.
0: Yeah, I, I think now you've described it like that. Definitely, a lot of people will be able to identify with it. And it's probably a lot more common than than we actually think, isn't it? You know
1: yeah i think it is and especially from a probably from a you know certainly the people i've spoken to from an entrepreneur position i think it most definitely is because lots of us come from you know an employed background yeah. or we've grown up in the same sort of um the same sort of era and then we we either parachuted in or we're forced into this position of being an entrepreneur
0: yeah
1: um and we we assume we have to change we assume well, we we have to be completely different now um yeah. You know, and that was, it was one of the things that, you know, I, I as you know, I've, I've read the book um, that you guys wrote, Five Levels, and, and I use it a lot with the, you know, the people that I work with, and it, it, that's where there is a real connection in that, you know, the, the, the message that you give is that you don't need to change the language, you don't need to be someone else when you when you move into this world. I, I'm, I'm exactly the same, I say exactly the same thing, but most people think they do. Yeah. I've got somebody different now. Um. And part of that's based on you know, who we think we are to start with.
0: Definitely. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Awesome. Awesome. Love, great answer.
2: Uh, now, two books that I absolutely love, um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad and Think and Grow Rich, um, are two books that uh, have clearly influenced your life as an entrepreneur, Dean. Um, what are some of the biggest lessons that you've taken away from those particular books?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, they, they are, I, you know, I'm a big reader. Personal development for the last maybe 10 years or so has been a big part of, of, of my life. Um, I do read a lot, um, but there are certain books that kind of stand out um, for you for various reasons. Um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad for me, um, it stood out for a few things. One was that it was the first book I read that really opened my eyes. I was at a time in my life, I think, when... Um, I kept thinking, is this the only way? Is, there's got to be a better way than just working for the next however many years it is in this position. Uh, there's got to there's be something else. Surely this isn't the only way. And it was the first book that kind of opened my eyes to another way. Um, yeah. that, you know, there was other options. Um, and it, it changed my perception, if you like, of of the business world or employed world and, and careers and things. Um, so that was my my, big, my first big takeaway from it. The second one was this idea that he talks a lot, you know, kiyosaki talks a lot about this idea of working for somebody else, being an employee, isn't is not necessarily going to get you where you want to be, depending on what you want. Um, you know, if you want real success or you want to, to progress significantly, then, you know, you need to be um, in one of the other categories that he defines them. Um, so that was another eye opener for me. You know, this idea that, OK, maybe I need to be thinking about other options. Um, and the other thing, the real big thing for me was it was my first real kind of introduction to passive or residual income. This yeah. idea of you know for Kiyosaki, it's about property and things like that or investments. But it was just this whole new world of hang on a minute, where where was you know where's all this been for all my life? I, you know how did I never come across this before? Um, so that, it, it, for that reason, it, was, it just opened my eyes. It started me um, looking at other, other avenues, other options. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also started me looking at personal development because I'd read a lot. I, I, I always enjoyed reading, but it was my first real book, if you like. that, that it's, not, it's not what I would call a true personal development book, but it, but it is from that genre. And it was like, it was like a breath of fresh air in terms of, okay, this is different to anything else I've ever read. Um, and it started to, to to open my eyes. think and grow rich um, it, it was it 's a strange book think and grow rich it 's become what I call my Bible because I, I read, genuinely do read it every single day but um i 've probably read it three or four times before I, I got anything from it um, yeah. and lots of people say to me you know i, I didn 't see that the first time I read that book. Um, and what I've come, one of the things I've come to realize is it's not that we do, it was never, it's not that it wasn't in the book. You know, it was always there. I think what happens is we, we see things in ourself the, the second or third time. So we're in a different yeah. space when we read it. That's yeah. certainly what happened to me. You know, I, I, I read it three or four times, got nothing from it. And then I read it at a time in my life when, I, when I really needed something, a bit of inspiration. And, um, It was one of those moments I genuinely couldn't put it down. I was like, "How did I not read see this in this book before?" Hmm. Um, And you know, there were lots of lessons in there. I think that I've taken from there. Um, The other big thing that I got from it was later on when I was involved in network marketing, I got an opportunity to be part of a group who studied it, and that was that just took my understanding to a whole new level. That was like, "Okay, there's stuff in here that." you know, we should, everybody should know this. This isn't just about, you know, general business successful people. This is just this, everybody should understand this, this type of information. Um, and I think the key things that I took away, were well, there's two big things for me after I really, really delved into it. One was that most people who've read it or have, have, have looked at it know that it's based on Napoleon Hill's um, study or interviews of 500 of the most successful people of his, his generation. Um, what people don't know or miss sometimes is it, 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 as part of that journey over 20 years uh, of those interviews, he interviewed 70 and a half thousand other people wow. who, who weren't massively successful because he wanted to make sure that what he was defining as the traits for success yeah. were just for those people who were successful. And those who were unsuccessful weren't doing the same sorts of things. So it was quite uh, a thorough, to be fair, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's lots, of, there's lots of bits in it that, that really stand out. Um, obviously, in terms of its overall delivery, it's kind of all the key steps and principles for success. Um, yeah. you know, it, it, and it's been the most successful um, personal development education book since it was written. Um, and although it was written in the kind of 30s, it's, it's, it's as valid today as it was then in terms of the information. Yeah. Was well, been updated a couple of times, hasn't it? And there's one out now at the moment. There's the the legacy out now, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, and they just made a movie about it as well. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's kind of been continually updated. I think that the core principles of it will always be the same. Um, and I think that it, it, there was a couple of things in it that really that really really opened my eyes. One was it was the first real book that I'd read that in a in a, a structured way opened my eyes to the fact that how powerful our mind is. Um, and, you know, we spend next to no time whatsoever developing it, understanding how it works and learning how to use it in yeah. relative terms. We, we, you know, we scratch the surface at best. Um, I, I was having a conversation with someone the other day and we were talking about how technology has moved on. Um, and, you know, on a mobile, you know, mobile technology now a mobile phone's got more computing power than we had when we sent a man to the moon, wow. um, and people talk about you know the latest computer or you know a, a small USB memory stick now can hold you know hundred hundreds of thousands of photographs, you know tens of thousands of songs, full length feature films can fit on you know this small piece of electronic um, gadgetry, and people spend time learning how to use that technology yeah yet the mind you know it comes cont- it, it it controls uh, i think i read somewhere it does it, it performs 6 trillion actions for 60 trillion cells in your body every second of every day and yet we don't spend any time trying to understand how it works <laughs> and how we can use it <laughs> but we'll spend hours learning how to use the latest app on our mobile phone <laughs> yeah and uh, So it was the first book that kind of opened my eyes to that aspect and 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 how to how to use it potentially. And the two the two other things that really stood out for me was um, some of the the key principles that he talks about. One of them is imagination, and it's become a big thing for me. In that I think that as a society, we we again you know thinking back to childhood and the way that we use things as a society we 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 we're always. Uh, or a large proportion of the time we, we're, we're stopping people being creative and yeah, you know, we yeah. always you, you, we picked up lines all the time saying stop daydreaming i can remember being at school and hearing people saying stop daydreaming yeah, yeah. you know be realistic about things but yet yeah, everything we've ever achieved in the world has been by people using their imagination yeah <laughs> um and yet we try and stifle it we, we you know with Education, which is another big thing of mine, you know, we're too focused, I think, on, um, you know, teaching everybody the same way to try and get a single result based on regurgitating information that you've learned, yeah. as opposed to thinking creatively about, um, you know, how how we can make a difference and how we can change things. Um, I read a really interesting statement um, recently that said that if you ask uh, a group of of five year olds. A question. Ninety-five percent of them will give you a creative answer. Um, If you ask a group of forty-year-olds the same question, only five percent of them will give you a creative answer. Mm. And for me, you know, what that's done is demonstrate that over that period of time, we've we've just kind of dumbed down that creativity. We've just said the only way to do things is the way we've always done them. Yeah. Whereas, you know, as we know, as as parents, you can give a, you know, a five-year-old or a six-year-old a. you know, a box and a and a cart, and you'll see them, you know, make a space station out of it and all sorts of things. Um, and yet we don't we don't really build on that. No. And thinking Growich also gave me an introduction to some of the other kind of people that I've 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 studied and used as mentors, so people like Earl Nightingale, Bob Proctor, um, some of the lesser-known people, maybe Maxwell Maltz and Wallace Wattles. and that's kind of broadened my knowledge about it. And it also led me, one of the concepts that Hill's really big on is masterminds. Mm -hmm. This idea of finding people who've got the same um, uh, external or long-term goal as as you, maybe not in in the same business or maybe not with the same ideal, but certainly of the same um, like mind um, or looking to to move forward um, and how you can tap into that. And that led me to finding you know, a mentor, um, or a, you know, however you want to call them, someone who'd studied with people like Proctor directly, um, to try and help me in terms of where I was going, um, and they, you know, that's that's something I think that um, is massively beneficial in any business, yeah. um, particularly in, in, in our industry, when you know we we do work with people on a on a uh, on a day-to-day basis as well as on a long-term basis, um, to be able to have that group of people who are all working in the same direction. I've got to say
2: that for me, it's one of my favorite books as well. It's one of the first books I got. My, my upline bought it to me, bought it for me at the first network marketing seminar that I went on, um, and I discovered the secret at the same time. And they were both telling me the same thing, you know, the the chapter on auto suggestion, and um, I'm like thinking, where's where's this all been, um, you know? And they were both saying the same thing: this, if it's in your mind, you know, and I, and I love the chapter on auto suggestion.
1: The, yeah. Probably, it is and it's it's interesting that because it's 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 probably one of the shortest chapters in the book and it's the one I think people quickly read through and go oh that was yeah I understand that um without really really studying it and understanding what it you know, the power that's in it yeah
0: totally so dean i've seen you speak about um limiting beliefs and i and I've heard you say that when you destroy those limiting beliefs that's when change can happen so for, for the people listening, are there any simple techniques that people can start to use to start to take these limited beliefs away? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a good question. Um, I think what happens is,
1: to give people understanding first, because I often talk about limiting beliefs and beliefs, and I think that um, the difficulty for people is, is is to try and associate with that in terms of what, what does that actually mean for me? I'm not sure what. You know, I'm not sure what if I've got a limiting belief, and if I have, I'm not sure what it is. Um, So I I I talk often about um, you know patterns of behaviour we we develop over a period of our life. We develop patterns of behaviour, and once you recognise a pattern, you you can then try and understand you know what they 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 are usually underpinned by a series or a set of beliefs, a system of beliefs. So when we're born. And I use this as an example a lot. We're only ever born with three fears, you know, the fear of falling, the fear of loud noises, and the fear of abandonment are are the fears that we are born with. And I started to ask myself questions about, okay, so if we're only born with three fears, where did I get all the others from? Mm. Um, And so looking at, you know, understanding what, where did I get them from? Understanding, recognizing you've got them, and then looking at how did I get them. And where do they come from? It gives you a clue to start looking at well, how can I get rid of them? Because if they're not, if they're not serving me, then you know I don't need them. They're they're holding me back, in essence. And it's easier when people recognise a pattern. So you know, I give you an example. Somebody might come and say, "Well, I've got a real fear of public speaking." Well, that's a pattern of behaviour. It's they don't have a belief about the fear of public speaking. They might have several beliefs that yep. underpin that pattern that's causing them a problem. Um, so it's identifying the pattern is the first thing, and then once you've identified the pattern, it's looking at, okay, so what would a person who is struggling with that particular behaviour, what would they need to believe about themselves in order for that pattern to be exhibited? I see. And then once you understand that, and again, it goes back to that point we made earlier on about having the awareness. Once you've got an awareness of, okay, so a person who... Is afraid of public speaking. You know, they may have um, a belief about themselves that well, people might not be interested in what I've got to say. So that might be a belief that's underpinned that, that behaviour pattern. And and once you can identify some of the key ones, then you can start to think about well, where did they come from? Right. And and how did they? You know how how did they happen to how do I, how do I happen to believe them? Because the, the thing about beliefs is that. Um, it's really difficult to tell somebody this, but when you believe something, it, it's it's very difficult to say somebody to somebody that that's not true, right? Because they actually believe it to be true. So if you if you say that um, that you know uh, somebody believe something about themselves, and you say, well, that, yeah, but that's not true about you. So if somebody said to me, you know, I, I have a real fear of public speaking, and I, I believe it's because Um, you know, I don't think, um, I don't think people are interested in what I've got to say. I don't think I'm, I'm the sort of person, um, who can, who can speak publicly. If I tell them that, well, actually you are, you've got a great personality, you've got charisma, that you, it doesn't make any difference what I say to them because they believe (laughs) that they can't. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: But what I use as an example sometimes is I say that we all had beliefs before that have changed. It's because at one point we all believed in, in Santa Claus. Mm. And something happened to change that belief. So we the, the, the real key, I think, the simplest um, way for me to, to explain it is to say to people that if, if we could get people to understand on a deep enough level that the self-image, the image they have of themselves is something that we've made up. Yeah. It's not real. It doesn't exist in itself. We made it up based on things that have happened to us things that people have said to us if they understood on a deep enough level that it was made up they could then just say well that's a lot of rubbish isn't that's not true about me so i can i can therefore do whatever i want to do
0: yeah you, you've just said something there which has really opened my eyes i mean i think another way i, I guess of putting it is that your, your self-belief is it's an abstract concept isn't it that that's that like you say, you've created in your mind based upon experiences and, and the way you've, you've thought about the world. And and that can be challenged, can't it? Absolutely. And I
1: think you're right, Paul. One of the big things for me is that people um, talk about the world outside affecting them. So something happens and that affects me. And, and I, I talk a lot and I speak to people about the fact that actually the world was not work like that. The world works the other way around. We work from the inside out. Right. So, you know, if we believe something, it becomes fact. It's not the other way around. It's not a fact and then we believe it.
2: Yeah.
1: And so if we don't believe something, then it's no longer true. And that has an impact on how we see the world. Yeah. Um, Whereas most people, you know, people say things, I I have a saying sometimes, and people say things like, um, well, you know, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. And I, I often say, actually, no, it doesn't work like that. Because you'll only ever see it when you believe it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds stupid, but it does. Because that's what people do. Yeah. Is, you know, they expect that, to, to see something in the world as being, a, a, being a, uh, that there's an event that happens and that affects them. When actually, it's a projection. Yeah. You know, it's our perception of what's going on
0: yeah. that causes us to feel a certain way about something that's happening in the world. Yeah, that makes sense. And you can choose how you feel about things as well, can't you? That's a choice as well. Absolutely. And we do that by changing what we think about it, because our feelings are a direct result
1: of the thoughts that we hold.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, we're coming towards the end of our time this evening now. So um, you've got some events coming up in the near future. So what can people expect and how can they find out more about them? Yeah, so um,
1: what i decided to do this year at um, the request of one or two people as well I've ran some for my for, for, for local people and, and uh, some of my my team in the business and things like that but um, a lot of people have been asking for some more information so I decided to put an event on and the whole idea behind them really is to give people the first point of this awareness okay. I can't get you know ten years plus of, of, of reading and, and studying into one day, but I can get them to a point where The two key things I think in any business, doesn't matter whether you're in network marketing or you're an entrepreneur, the two key things for me are um, if we can get people to be focused, and by focused I mean clear on what they want and why they want it, um, in a deep enough way um, for them to to truly understand it, um, and then we can remove the fear that stops them taking action to get them towards that, that goal, then I think, you can, you can make um, you know, huge strides in whatever it is that you want in a very short space of time. And so my, I, the plan of doing the events was really to start people on that journey. It was to give them enough information for them to be able to say, I now understand some of the things. You know, I understand what's happening, perhaps why it's happening. But also, more importantly, I have an awareness of it now. I see. And I can start to say, yeah, I now know that's an issue and I need to do something about it rather than just kind of plodding on saying, I don't know why I keep doing this. You know, we, we talk often, don't we, that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Yet in general, when we're talking about the way that we, our, our behaviour patterns and the way that we do things, that's generally what we do. Yeah. We do the same thing over and over again, but somewhere along the line, we try and expect a different result. <laughs> and it's never going to happen unless we make some changes. Um, and I, I talk a lot about the fact that change is an inside job. You know, it's it's it, you've got to start looking inward first, uh, and that's what those events are about: is to give people that that initial awareness uh, and a bit of understanding of some of the basics, so they can get um, uh, a starting point in terms of okay, now I need to know, and now I now know where I need to look in order to move forward, uh, and maybe understanding some of the things that either a are holding me back, um, and then you can do something about it. Or at least be in a position to say, well, actually, the reason I'm not taking the action is because I don't really know where I'm going. Right. And I need some clarity about what I, what I really want.
0: OK, so what's the for those people that are listening that maybe want to connect with you and find out a bit more about the events, where they're at, um, the dates and times, things like that. What's the best way to connect with you?
1: So there's, there's, there's several ways they can get me on Facebook um, uh, at Dean Fox official is my, is my, my, my Facebook page for, for the, um, the events and the coaching. You can find it on there. Um, they can get me on LinkedIn. Um, um, just searching for Dean Fox or they can drop me an email directly. Um, dean at deanafox.com um, or just go to the website. But ultimately, yeah, the easiest way is probably to find me on Facebook or drop me a drop me a message. Yeah, we'll, we'll make sure that uh, we put the the links to your
2: Facebook page on here as well. Uh, you know, cool. so if you're watching this via Facebook, it'll be in, in the message in, in this in this thread somewhere. So,
0: superb. So, Dean, thanks very much for your time this evening. Uh, wish you all the success with the upcoming events, and uh, we'll see you again soon. It's been all a great. pleasure. Thank you very much. Cheers. Take care. Take care, guys. Huge thanks to Dean Fox for sharing his time with us so willingly. You can connect with Dean at deanafox.com or on Facebook at Dean Fox Official. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. Thank you for listening to the Five Levels of Formality podcast. Paul Robinson and Danny Rich are the authors of the best-selling network marketing communication skills book, The Five Levels of Formality. You can find out more at www five levels of formality